Hi folks, Dan Thompson here from Frequency. Welcome to another Amped interview. I had the opportunity to interview Jaquel Crow, who is a young, new author. She authored a book geared towards teenagers, but really it reads well for adults and teenagers alike. The book is called This Changes Everything, How the Gospel Transforms the Teen Years. This young lady is from the east coast of Canada, actually, which was cool, being from my neck of the woods. Uh, but she's well-written, uh, well-respected in uh, the author realm, and as far as books go, she's fairly theological. So I think you'll be blessed by the interview. Uh, she's very well-spoken. Uh, she has a real heart for ministry, a real heart for teenagers especially, um, but I don't need to say a whole lot other than to say that this is a good, uh, short, but engaging interview with Jaquel Crow, and I hope that you'll um, get an opportunity to pick up the book, This Changes Everything, How the Gospel Transforms the Teen Years, and this is put out by Crossway. So, I hope you enjoy. Frequency.fm presents The Amped Interview. As we get started, um, did you want to just give me a short little bio of who you are so people have an idea of who Jaquel Crow is? Sure. So right now I am 20 years old. I just turned 20 a couple weeks ago, uh, but I wrote This Changes Everything when I was 18. Um, it got published when I was 19. I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. We on the East Coast, not that far from you. Um, yeah, I graduated from Thomas Edison State University um, a year and a half ago, degree in communications and English. I live with my family. I uh, co-founded a program for young writers called the Young Writers Workshop that is my main work right now. I'm the content manager for that. And then I also edit a website called therevolution.com, which is a website for teenage Christians. And then I write a lot of stuff for a lot of different places. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, the weirdest thing right now is the fact that you said you're 20. Right. And you're giving me a bio of somebody who could be 35. <laughs> well, I have had a lot of crazy, unique opportunities in life that had definitely have nothing to do with me. I am always pretty quick to say that this bio sounds like very impressive, but it's always just like random doors the Lord has opened right. uh, completely. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I, you know, being a pastor in the Maritimes, I've run into your father many times and, oh, yes. and he's not proud at all of you. No, <laughs> oh, definitely not. No, <laughs> no, in all honesty, as, as a father of a, a teen who's now at Bible college, um, it's, and I have two other boys here at a Grace, at Grace Christian School in, in Charlottetown PEI. Um, I, I understand where he's coming from. Like, wow, like my daughter's, um, it's, it's not about the books. It's not about the notoriety and the fame and all that kind of stuff that can accompany it. Uh, and we'll talk a bit about that. Um, it's the reality that my daughter loves Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And what's so cool, I think, about my parents is both of them, I, I know they're proud of me and I know that they, they love to talk to other people about it. But with me, they've always been very intentional about keeping me grounded, uh, making sure that I don't get a big head. Uh, my, my parents are very concerned with, with my humility. And so they've actually been really, really, really good with that and a big help. Yeah. Now, um, the reality is I, I've met you before. Actually, I met you in the U.S., even though we're both from Canada. That's um, right. You know, we had a meal together with, you know, your dad and, and uh, got to do some conferences. And of course, you, 
you, because you are now a new author uh, with Crossway, you're brought into the vortex of the circuit. <laughs> so right. interviews and who's this girl and wow, this book and, and mm -hmm. there's hype, hype, hype. Um, but we, we mean well when we, we hype things up. And I think, I think that's because who else is targeting this demographic from the demographic? Mm, yeah, that's something that I've heard a lot that kind of what makes this changes everything more compelling is that it's from the perspective of a young person. And I get that and I'm excited <laughs> to be in the hype, even though it, it can be a little bit overwhelming and come with its own pitfalls. But yes. I'm excited to be able to share this message. Um, if my being a young person and my being able to uh, enter the circuit is going to bring the gospel to more young people, then <laughs> I'm happy to do it. Yeah, because you've been able to have some television appearances and um, yeah. you know, radio and voiceover, you're able to, to, um, well, all, all fast as a multimedia, I'm sure as part of this. And, mm -hmm. um, even the book itself is, a uh, you know, flashy colors and, you know, this changes everything. And the tagline, the, the secondary subtitle is how the gospel transforms the teen years. So it, it's not a self-help book as a Christian to say, Hey, if you know Jesus, your life will be perfect. Um, I, right. I love how you tackle it almost pastorally. Um, you know, there may, there must be a pastor in your house. <laughs> oh, how did you know? Yeah. PK right here. Yeah. Um, because you, you take the teenage perspective, you take the world's perspective and you take what, what, um, Christianity people who've been in church their whole life, what their perspective is. And then you say, come on, give your head a shake. This is what the gospel is. And, um, actually, page 28, um, I'm going to pick this apart a bit because I've marked off spots in your book. Um, yeah, do it. I like when you say we don't conform to stereotypes. We've actually become weird in the eyes of our culture. Teen magazines aren't written for us. Modern pop music's not composed for us. The latest TV lineup is not scripted for us. We're not your average teenager anymore. Yeah. Even and Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, well, that, that really comes from this idea that there is the stereotypical teenager out there. And that's exactly what is broadcast in, you know, modern magazines and movies and media that teenagers don't really care about anything of uh, eternal significance, that teenagers don't care about doing hard things, doing hard work, um, discipline, all of these things that should be a part of a Christian young person's life, but that the teen years are kind of just these empty years meant to waste and fun and personal pleasure. Yeah. And Snapchat and Facebook and everything exactly. else. Yeah. So would you say from your perspective, you know, some of the, the main reasons for writing this book um, was obviously to help teens, but was it a, a secondary message to say to parents, look, we have relevance here. We have a part to play in church life. Um, don't write us off because we're, you know, grades seven through 12. Absolutely. Uh, my actually big hope is that lots of parents will read This Changes Everything and youth pastors as well, um, senior pastors, just to get another perspective from a young person who's saying, hey, if you raise the bar for teenagers, we will rise to meet that. Raise your expectations and we will exceed them. So that that is a big part. I mean, I was largely influenced by the message of Do Hard Things, A Teenage Rebellion Against Low Expectations mm, yeah. by Brett and Alex Harris, which they wrote when they were 18, that just is this message that young people are capable of so much more than we often give them credit for. And that desire definitely influenced 
um, this changes everything. The gospel transforms the teen years. And if, if we just have, have a bigger vision for our youth, then they will just thrive and excel in it. Yeah. Now, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you some more questions about the book specifically, but, um, as far as the formulation of the book, how, you know, cause we have a lot of people that want to be writers that, you know, they, they're artists. This is sort of an artist community on this podcast. So they want to dig deeper and find out the how, how you got to the point of the book. Did it start with blog posts? Did it, how did, you know, how did that develop into right. that? Well, I have always loved writing. So I have been writing for a very long time. Well, as long as a 20 year old can say that they've been <laughs> writing. Um, but yeah, I started blogging when I was 11, actually. Um, and I kind of kept that consistently for about seven years. And that was just writing about what I was reading in God's word, what I was seeing in the world, um, just the intersection of the gospel with my life as a young person. And then I started writing for a couple other websites. When I was 16, I actually started writing for the revolution.com that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And through that, I uh, met some potential mentors and people who just encouraged me and, and coached me along in the possibility that, Hey, it, it's possible to write a book now. And at that point I, I started working on idea and concept and then started moving towards creating a book proposal where I just uh, mapped out the, the plan and vision for the book. And then I started pitching it to publishers. Well, I actually only pitched it to one publisher because <laughs> it was my dream publisher right. and that was Crossway. And they actually gave me some help and advice on the proposal and then they graciously accepted it. And then after that, I had about four months of pretty intense work on it and wrote the manuscript and then it got published. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and again, as somebody who, anyone out there who wants to write, there are steps involved. It's not like mm. you get, you get good content, you know, your, your grandma reads it and tells you you're awesome. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, tells their, their knitting club. And then all of a sudden it gets to the bookstore. Obviously there's Very so true. many steps along the way. Um, and there, it, it had to be a tedious, um, sort of introspection as you look at somebody else is going to evaluate my work because this is my, this is my heart. But how, how is that going to be communicated to the masses? Oh yeah. Well, this is my baby. So in one sense, it feels like putting my baby on display to be critiqued and to be evaluated. Um, but in another sense, um, this changes everything, even though it is a, a deeply personal project, it's also something that I wrote ultimately to not be about me, but to be about Jesus. And I had a lot of kind faithful people who are older and wiser than me read the manuscript and, and read my writing all along and be able to give me thoughts and advice and just make sure that my words were clear and also faithful and true. And so having that outside input from people that I trusted and respected um, played a big part in making me feel more comfortable to to get it out there. Yeah. And, and I'd also say, judging from the amount of chapters that I've gone through now, because um, I sort of said before I was recording that um, I haven't gotten through the whole book, not because I don't <laughs> respect the book or, or want to be knowledgeable when we talk, but because we're actually using this as a part of our curriculum with our young people. And we have a day school and a Sunday school class for teens. And this book reads easy and it's not to minimize the content. What I mean by that is it reads easy, but it's laced with scripture. So yeah. every page that I go to, you have at least one, if not five 
to seven <laughs> links to scripture. You didn't quote them all to, to not make the book verbose, but at the same time, the depth is there because when you make a point, you're backing it up with, you know, like the pattern of scripture from Acts 2 verses 42 to 47. So if you want to go, what are you talking about? You put, you point the reader to scripture. Mm. So your source for the book is scripture. It is, exactly. yeah, it is your intellectual property in the sense that, you know, you've either blogged it or you've written it uh, with the idea of wanting to tell somebody. It almost feels like an individual conversation between you and somebody you're trying to encourage in discipleship. Oh, that's so encouraging because that's exactly my mission. That That is my desire. And um, having so much scripture in it is also just like something I unintentionally was trying to communicate. And that's to the young people reading this, that they need to go to God's word. Like all of this stuff, it's not original yeah, at all. Yeah. It is completely rooted in God's word. And I hope that this book will actually drive them to God's word, that it will push them to investigate these truths for themselves and will just make them more reliant on God's actual words for them in scripture. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and, you know, just Targeting another spot in the book, page 47, um, you're sort of talking about community. What is What about uh, our idea of church? And I'm, I'm so happy you focused on church life because so easily people are drawn away to do their own thing. You, you mentioned, you know, a friend that just doesn't go to church. They do their own thing, quote unquote. And I, and I know that in my life with different people, um, you know, you're saying after we're saved and have become a part of the universal church, that is all Christians everywhere. It is our responsibility to join a local church and your target audience here is teens and adults of teens to say church is important. And, you know, and I, I also remember growing up when I became a Christian at 17 and showed up at church, um, all the youth sat in the corner together. They, they, this is lame, you know, like I can't wait till after so we can go to Swiss chalet, which, mm -hmm. which is a Canadian thing. <laughs> yes, and, I got it. Yeah. And the, and the whole idea is that we're not the theologians in the room. We're, we're yeah. just showing up for duty. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I like your focus on the church as being important and the aspect that the teens can be a part of every aspect of church life. Um, you know, we're doing a better job of it here. I mean, we still have a ways to go as a church uh, in a small, you know, island <laughs> in Canada. Um, right. Yeah, but um, even uh, page 49, the truth is if we're part of the body, we have a responsibility to the entire body. If teenagers love Jesus, we should be committed to his whole church. God doesn't call young people to attend as spectators. He calls us to invest. And I think that's the, the other missing link is teenagers have so much to offer and they, they tend to have better memories. They tend to have more yep. energy and exuberance. And oftentimes as adults, we can sort of quelch that and say, you know, you need to chill a bit. Exactly. Yeah, this is like such a big passion point for me, young people being engaged and active in a local church, because also just there's something about my generation that we are craving community and authenticity and vulnerability, but we kind of look everywhere for that except 
the church and I am part of a, of just a local church that I love so much and they have contributed so much to my spiritual growth and formation that I, I want other young people to have that too. And then at the same time, like you said, just for churches to realize that young people have so much to offer a local body that if they are a part of the family, spiritually speaking of all Christians everywhere, then they are just as much a part of the family of a local body and they can just as much serve and offer just as much. So both of those for young people and for churches to realize that teenagers need the church and that it is, you know, the thing that will give them some of the most joy that they could, they could ever find in this life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, the gospel isn't easy and you spell that out. Mm -hmm. There's a suffering aspect to what we, what we believe and there's a, a service aspect to what we believe. And oftentimes those things are neglected. Um, you know, for example, we've just been preaching through the book of John, you know, as Jesus is okay. telling the, the 11 disciples after Judas has gone off to, to sort of rat him out. And mm -hmm. he's saying, by the way, this is the last time we're really going to have this chat and be prepared because you will have to die. Yep. And Christianity is, is not easy, but joy is not happiness. And you sort of flesh that out. Um, what I wanted to ask next is, uh, shifting gears slightly, um, speaking of your joy, when you write something and you put it out there and it's published, doesn't necessarily mean the response is all happy, happy, joy, joy. Mm. Do you, have you um, experienced any negativity or criticism being a new author? I have. I think it's pretty much impossible not to. Um, by God's grace, I haven't received a lot. And any of the sort of criticism that I have got is not from young people, which I guess is good. Um, but yeah, it's it has been more um, maybe just like people disagreeing with the way that I said things. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff in this book is it's kind of the basic level of, of Christianity. It, it's sort of meant to be a introductory in some sense to just the, the fundamental truths of the gospel. Yes. Um, so the people that have expressed disagreement, uh, maybe we wouldn't be on the same page, um, theologically in, in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, overall the response has been, has been pretty good, but yeah, it's, it's impossible to avoid <laughs> some yeah. negativity. Well, yeah. And I understand exactly what you're saying as a pastor in a church, you know, you, if you do use the word sovereignty, that you're going to suggest mm. something when you, it, this is true. yeah. Cause you're suggesting is not your effort. <laughs> that, yep. And yeah. And when you're talking about when you're drawn to Jesus, as opposed to, I decided today, yes. I'm going to be a good Christian. Yeah, mm. there's definitely, I mean, I could go into all the theological terms, but the whole point of your book, like <laughs> you said, is to not use the terminology. Um, yeah. But I I do believe that on all in all camps, whether you're Reformed or not, whether you're you believe in preaching on the street corner. You believe in quiet discipleship. Um, this book does flesh out the truths of Scripture in a way, and um, not to puff you up, but you know, I, I've read a lot of Piper and John MacArthur, and they're all wonderful books. You know, Desiring God is an awesome resource. Um, don't don't waste your life, um, and they're all good resources. I've used them. I recommend them. Um, but when you read a book like this, and I can get to chapter five within 
you know, a day and a half of just random reading mm -hmm. and remember what I read. And that's, that's a kudos to you as, as an author, you know, take, take the importance, self-importance out of it. And just the words on the page, um, they read well. And I think that's the most important thing that you want to hear as an author is that it makes sense. Oh, definitely. And I had some great editors in, involved and just some, some great input that helped me sharpen these words. But uh, back to, to what you were saying about um, theological camps where you are reading this book, that is also something I, I tried to be pretty intentional about. And I have had just some really great encouragement and feedback from young people who <laughs> disagree with me about certain certain things mm -hmm. um young people who are reformed young people who are not reformed uh all who have kind of said hey you know maybe i do disagree with the way that you said this but i i really appreciated this book and i tried to be intentional about avoiding certain terms that would alienate readers or just confuse young people who aren't familiar with that yes. and even though i i obviously have convictions and uh beliefs i i wanted to just be be right in a way that would encourage the most people without un, uh, like alienating people unnecessarily. I guess. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we we all have convictions, and there is a time to make a point. Yes. You know, and and any ministry leader of any kind has to always put their discernment cap on. Mm. And yeah, and if you if you do anything in sort of an ecumenical environment, you know, cross functional, you know, a Pentecostal yeah. and a Baptist and a Presbyterian together, um, yeah, you you don't talk about tongues, you don't talk about you know <laughs> baptizing babies, and you you know, mm -hmm. so what is the core? And the core is the gospel, the good news, yeah. and you and you actually describe that and define it, which is great um, because again, we have locally children here and teenagers and even adults that are brand new to English and then the first words they're reading through our education system here as a private school is the gospel and so it's a huge responsibility but you have to actually remove most of those um heady weighty theological terms or else it, mm -hmm. like how do you use the word righteousness and talk to a mandarin speaking person uh, yeah, yeah exactly it just doesn't work so mm. i appreciate the the ground level approach um and you don't shy away from sin and that's the other thing. This is not a feel good, just do five things and you'll be a good Christian. You're talking about our depravity. You're talking about everyone's depravity, even going back to the garden yeah. and then feeding that back to church life because we all need each other. Um, now, the book is done. It's published and you may be sick of talking about it. I don't know. <laughs> um, what's the next steps for you? Because there is the revolution.com. Yeah and your other endeavors is are those the ongoing things or are there other ideas for the next steps as an author yeah so there's lots going on i mean i love talking about this changes everything it will always be my baby my firstborn <laughs> um so yeah so i'm still doing some interviews still talking about this changes everything um doing some speaking which is super cool i'm going to south carolina next month to talk at a, a middle school retreat um and then yeah working on the revolution working on the young writers workshop i am getting into the stage of working on a next book um that 
I'm I'm not supposed to let too much information That's out, okay. but I'm actually I'm going to be co-authoring it with Brett Harris, who I mentioned before, who wrote Do Hard Things, yes. and um, it, it's going to be about writing. I'm allowed to say that, and Wonderful. for young people. Um, so I'm super excited about that, and because that's that's something I've heard a ton of feedback about from This Changes Everything. Probably the, the most feedback I've got is from other young writers saying, hey, I want to write too. I love that you wrote this book as a teenager. Give me advice. You know, what should I do? <laughs> um, so, so this is something that uh, I've become passionate about, helping other young writers who are, are concerned about sharing um, their message for the glory of God. So that's kind of the direction that I'm moving. And then, you know, just seeing what other opportunities the Lord provides. He has been very clear up until now um, what I should do by opening doors at strategic places. So just continuing to, to trust and walk and be faithful and see what he has in store. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Now, you you finished your schooling, I guess, in for lack of a better term, early. <laughs> yes. Um, so as somebody who's educated and somebody who's now communicating and teaching, um, is that something that would potentially be in your future? You know, this is just a personal question, not a professional one sure. um, that you would desire to do, whether it's at, you know, a theological seminary or in day, a day school. Like, do you have that teaching bug in you? Because it seems to come out in the book. Maybe. I, I do love teaching. Um, and I mean, that's why I love speaking to, to young people. Um, and I would like to go back to school and go to graduate school and one day get my PhD. But for now, I'm kind of just like pretty content with where I am. But teaching is something I'm passionate about and I love. So whether there will be more opportunities for that, I am certainly open to whether that might be in a place of, of higher education or a school. I'm open to that too, but right now, no specific plans for that. Okay. I just always like poking people, asking them, you know, what's on their <laughs> heart and on their mind. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much uh, coming on and, and sharing your heart and giving us a little nugget of the future. And um, for people that want to buy the book, um, it's probably online, any Christian bookstore um, through Crossway. Um, we have a relationship with Crossway. They're very good to us at Frequency. Um, we love promoting what Crossway does because we love the vision for Crossway and uh, the pretty much anything I ever see come out from Crossway, I trust. Um, so I say that not pretty. I, I would trust everything <laughs> they come out with. <laughs> There's no caveat yeah. there. Um, the book is, yeah, you. the book is This Changes Everything, How the Gospel Transforms the Teen Years by Jaquel Crow and therevolution.com. Now spell that out, R-E-B-E-L. E-L-U-T-I-O-N. -E -E right. Okay, just so people don't Google revolution and come up with yeah. some random thing about- It's happened before. Yeah, mm -hmm. we don't need Donald Trump uh, headlines. <laughs> no, no, definitely there not. Revolution. Go. There you go. Thank you so much for talking to us, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Oh, thank you. This was such a joy. All right. Well, you take care. Frequency.fm is a podcast featuring Christian artists, authors, creatives, and experts. For more music reviews, book reviews, and articles, please visit us at Frequency.fm.